And I think it's important as we wait on the Lord, he's a, a great God who loves us with an everlasting love. And so let's bow in word of prayer. Father God, how we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. Help me to clearly share with the saints of God and teaching us the lesson of waiting on you. Waiting is a sign of maturity, control, dependence, trust. May we see uh, in our time together the blessings and the downfall of those who handle waiting uh, in a way that you should have it, have it, and then when you don't do it. May we learn from the whole process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We start off with scripture where it says, Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong which means you're capable of doing that. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. And notice where the courage is, uh, where our heart should be. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. We want to use these uh, verses as we uh, go on, and the whole idea is that you keep hearing this word, wait on the Lord, to wait patiently for the Lord. I think that is so critical uh, as we uh, walk before the Lord. We are living in a godless, greedy, rebellious, and impatient world. It is driven by a tremendous desire to be independent and self-sufficient without God. This world's view has blotted out the fact that we are all created by God for his purpose. They fail to realize that their finite minds are unable to comprehend the thoughts and intentions of our infinite God. As believers, we must distinguish ourselves by embracing and maintaining the ability, and here's this word again, wait, to wait on God. That's why my, my subject earlier this morning is Wait for it. Wait for it. Don't become impatient. Okay. All right. We're ready. The old nature, old flesh will fight to have its way. Here are several reasons why. It is self-centered. Um, you know, babies, when they're born, they are self-centered. <laughs> they are. Uh, they don't care whether you're sleepy. They don't care whether you're tired. They don't care whether you're hurting. It's, if they say they want their milk or they want to be dry, they want it right now, they don't care. Uh, and so 
is self-centered. It's hostile and, dis and disobedient to the will of God. When, uh, uh, and that's what we talk about the flesh. It is driven by a sense of instant gratification. That's why so many people get gypped by uh, all of this feisting and everything else. We want something for nothing and fall for all these deals. It has a hard time distinguishing between wants and needs. It's going to take a lot for us to do that, saints of God, in our, our time with the inflation going up and all the things that's going on. Uh, you better know what you want and what you need. There's some things you really don't need. It's just that you've been saying you want it so loud, you think you need it. You better back up because uh, uh, you have to pay for that, okay? It lacks the wisdom of God. When we talk about the flesh, it is totally disconnected from God. And guess what? It really doesn't care. Uh, it is driven by sin. And so when, when they talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil, uh, the flesh belongs in a different group, only one problem. <laughs> that flesh is in us, and we're told to take care of it. We have the power to do that. That's why God keeps, keeps telling us to do it, to do it. We're in control. We're more than conquerors to him that love us. What is preliminary thoughts here? Let's move on to the next slide. Not waiting for God is a sin. That's why I underlined it. Waiting is not a suggestion, request, or option to consider. When God tells us to wait, he expects us to wait. Beware the tyranny of the urgent. The pressing drive to for instant gratification. Waiting on God reveals who we are in secret. Our trust, obedience, submissive spirit, attitude will ensure God's best for our lives. You want the best for your life? Then it's like being uh, uh, on a football field, basketball field, might be on a volleyball field, whatever it is. Whenever that ball comes over to you, you wait in your position to do what you're supposed to do. That's what the whole team is dependent on, you doing what you're supposed to do. When you are waiting on God, you're saying, Lord, I'm positioning myself, regardless of the circumstances, to wait on you. And have you ever noticed waiting on God is usually under some very difficult situations, and the purpose is character building. Why do you think he permitted it to happen in the first place? Uh, he wants to develop character. Uh, thinking it through. Waiting on God is a learned discipline of spirit. Does that mean that it's not instantaneous? You cannot say, well, starting today, I'm going to wait on God. Uh, trust me, after you fail today, you're going to back up and say, well, I want to wait on God. It's my desire to wait on God, and I'm going to ask him to help me in the process. Now you're on the right track. Waiting on God will usually have an obstacle course designed to glorify God and greatly enhance our character and devotion. You'll find that every, well, almost every time that we have to wait on God, we're uh, confronted with some type of obstacle course that's going to require for us to be patient, um, uh, to sell ourselves, don't get an attitude, um, you're still on the journey, and don't try to take the wheel. God is driving. Get your hands off the wheel. He knows exactly what he's doing. So that's why we need to 
wait on God. Are you going to say this to the whole message? Mm-hmm. That's why the message is no waiting on God. Okay, so, so uh, my aim, I, I, I desire to inform and encourage you to establish the right priorities in your walk with God. Let us look at the right and the wrong way of waiting on God. So we have two specific points. The first thing we want to look at is Abraham's submissive spirit. And then we want to look at Saul's lack of self-discipline. So to be honest with you, to deal with Abraham's uh, submissive spirit as we go on to this, um, both of these, I'm, I, I, how can I say, uh, when I think about Abraham, trust me, we could be a whole year on Abraham. There's so much to go and look at what Abraham is doing. The same with Saul. But we had to put this in a capsule for our time this morning. So our first one is Abraham's submissive spirit. So let's move to the next slide as we move right on. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was, he was to receive as an inheritance. You should back up and put that word, he was called. Aren't we called also? Uh, whom he have called, he justified. And so the whole idea is, is when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went, not knowing where he was going. He didn't have to get all the facts. Where am I going? How long is it going to take? By faith, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents uh, with Isaac and Jacob, uh, heirs with him of the same promise. Being tent dwellers and traveling like that, they were, they, they're known as Bedouins. And, uh, and as they travel uh, these different areas, it's, it's not their permanent home, at least not for Abraham. But he was looking forward to the city, not a city, the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And this is not our home. And we need to just keep that in mind. Amen. Um, so let's uh, move on to our next then. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as we were talking about earlier, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. In other words, you can't number it. You know why? Because God is a bountiful God. Whatever God does, he just, he just, he always does, uh, he will do things big. You don't have one uh, type of a dog. You have all types of dogs. You don't have one species of birds. You have hundreds or sometimes thousands of species of birds. God is, and if he just, he's done this on earth. And can you imagine what he's doing in the universe? Oh, that's the type of God that we're serving. See? And when we know that, our whole attitude should be uh, uh, aligned with that. And so, um, so from one man, Abraham, God promised this. Amen? Let's go on. Consider this brief snapshot. God called Abraham 
Abraham obeyed God. Follow the birth trail. God promised Abraham. Abraham believed in God. He had to wait for 25 years for the birth of the promised child, Isaac. God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham obeyed, going back up. God called, Abraham obeyed. God promised, Abraham believed. See the, the track here? See, God commanded, Abraham obeyed. You see that if you're going to fellowship with God, listen to what he has to say. And do you notice that there's no dialogue per se as, as to Abraham saying, well, Lord, I mean, he says a few things, but he obeyed God. And that's what his, God expects us to do before we express our opinion. Just do what he has to say. Okay. Then after you do it, if he has some question, if he chose to share with you, amen. Uh, and so uh, I, I think you get the picture there. Let's go on to our next slide. Consider this. Throughout the whole process, Abraham was committed to waiting on God. God our Father loves, honors, and blesses those who are sincere, committed, and submissive to his will. You hear that again? God our Father loves, honors, and blesses those who are sincere, committed, and submissive to his will. So well, doesn't God bless all men? Yes, he bless all men. But there is a special blessing that he has for those who are in the fellowship, listening to what he has to say, and doing what he has to say. Uh, God is now freed up to really bless your lives. Okay? Uh, that is not promised to the sinner. You see God's mercy. See? And so... Um, Let's see if I can read this now. Excuse me. If Abraham was uh, able to talk to us today, uh, give us a clear picture of what it means to wait for it, he would tell us that waiting is the result of believing, trusting, and obeying. <clears throat> the next thing is, he would tell us that God's promises are true. He would tell us, Abraham would tell you, I tell you, he will tell us that waiting is a clear sign of acknowledging that God is in control. When we decide on, on, on waiting on God, then it's a clear sign that God is in control. Side trail, just for a moment. You know, when you train a dog to do something, and you say sit, you know, when... That dog decides to sit where you feed the dog, whatever you do, give him a treat, whatever case would be. The next thing, the dog does exactly what you say. Then the dog sits and looks at you and wait for your next command. The Lord says, wait. And, and we're squirming and everything else and uh, getting other professors' ideas. The God says, no, wait for it. Amen? Wait for it. Let's go on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's, sorry, about, sorry about the part that we can't read, but God gives us all of the details. He will tell us that waiting involves various challenges that are designed to be character builders. He will tell us that waiting on God will always produce a favorable outcome. Faith and waiting are inseparable. <clears throat> 
Impatience is a serious spiritual problem. When you find yourself to be an impatient person, don't cast it out that this what's caused this person. That's why I'm impatient. No, I have, I'm dealing with the uh, insurance company comparing concerning um, my vehicle and compensation and everything else. And every now and then, when I get a little antsy as to what they're doing, the Lord calms my heart and say, I got this. I got this. And guess what? All the way through the whole process, uh, the whole idea, wait for it. That's what I did. I waited for it. And everything that have come my way, I found out I don't have to get on their back. I don't have to do this or that. They, they are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. It keeps me from being, keeps me from being stressed out. Are you stressed out today? Is it because you become impatient and you haven't put God in the picture in the first place? I heard a message. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I viewed a message on YouTube that was a real blessing. And um, it'll kind of bring in our next point for the, uh, this morning. But uh, what I noticed that the, uh, uh, the whole idea was that he was going over James. He says that if you lack wisdom, ask God. And when you ask God, the whole idea is that he will give you, you know, he's, it's his good pleasure to give you all these things. Now, now, the three things that he pointed out, number one, lack means you admit that you can't do it. When you say, oh, Lord, I, I can't do this. I, I, I can't do this. And then acknowledge God. Ask God who can do it. Okay. Then act upon what he tell you to do. That's why um, this whole idea of waiting on him, that bottom part one says, faith and waiting are inseparable. Impatience is a serious spiritual problem. And Abraham said, I tell you, I waited on the Lord and all that I went through, all the, uh, all the things I was confronted with. One thing that I heard God say to me when I offered my son up to, uh, to be a sacrifice, and I had that knife in my hand, and I was getting ready to kill him. He told me to hold off Abraham. And then God said to me, now I know, now I know that you would not hold back anything. Can the Lord say that about us? That when we had to wait, like Abraham had to wait 25 years, then his son, they said, was about 20, 21 years old. And then the Lord said, sacrifice him. And Abraham didn't argue with the Lord. Abraham obeyed God. Our biggest problem is not what's happening on the outside, folks. It's what's going on on the inside. Wait for it. Wait for it. Well, that's why we go to our next point. I think that's important. And so we're going to shift gears and move to Saul. Um, he's a guy who's just the opposite of Abraham. So with our next slide then. Let's go there. Saul's lack of self-discipline. When you decide not to wait on God, it's a spiritual problem. You do not have self-discipline. The, the consequences, as one child once said, or the consequences that you have to pay uh, is sometimes overwhelming. So let's take a, a snapshot of, of Saul. And remember, wait for it. So, Let's look at the verse. 
Let us observe the consequence of not waiting on God. The pressure was real. Verse, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 8. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. Samuel told him earlier, uh, uh, Saul, I want you to wait here for seven days, and I'll show up, and we'll do such and such and such. Uh, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. Note, waiting is not easy, but it is endurable when we obey God. Our future and impact on the lives of others will glorify God and keep us from regrets. I don't care how bad things are. Notice the people are scattering. The, the Philistine army, what has happened is that <laughs> Jonathan earlier went down and whipped some heads down there in the, with the Philistines. Now they're upset as to what the, the chaos that they caused. Now they're gathering their massive army to come toward, uh, toward Saul. And Saul is trying to get the people together when they saw how big this army was coming. So the, some of the folks started running off into the hills and hiding in caves. And, uh, and so, uh, so Saul said, okay, where's Samuel? I need a word from the Lord. He didn't get a word from the Lord. It's the tyranny of the urgent. When it seemed like you need to do something, be still and know that I'm God. In the midst of all of this, Understand, God knows exactly what you're going through. He has complete control and, and acknowledge the fact that you really don't know. It's no time for guessing. And I think this say, Lord, stop right there. I don't know. And you told me not to worry. And you told me to cast. So catch this, Lord. Because right now, I don't know. And it's in your hands. Have you been there yet? You keep living there. <laughs> it might be today, it might be tomorrow. Keep living because you learn from waiting on God and you wait on God to circumstances that are beyond your control. Okay. And so, so we saw how, how it would Abraham, but now we see Saul. His plan was out of sync with the word and will of God. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me. And a peace of offering and peace offering, and he offered burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, this word behold means look at this. Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Wow. Samuel said, What have, have you done? <coughs> and Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, that the Philistine have mustered at Mishmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself. And offer to burn offering. You see these verbs, but this is this is so ridiculous. I'm, I'm surprised that Samuel didn't smack him in the midst of all saying all this mess. I mean, but but notice it, we're gonna break this out now. But notice now he's given the excuse why he didn't wait. Let me ask the question: why is it that you're not waiting when the Lord told you to wait? What was your excuse? Who did you blame for this? 
when it was a chaotic situation and it seemed like there was no one there else, no one else to help, who did you do the blame shifting? The first thing, of, of, of if you did do something, the first thing is to stop and say, Lord, forgive me for getting ahead of you. For I stop you from doing what you want to do in and through my life. Help me, Lord, to learn the lesson and to wait for it. Wait for it. Well, I think you got the idea. Then let, let's, let's move on then. Uh, now, notice the... Uh, Saul, when he did all this blame shifting, Saul's reply to Samuel. He saw the people scattering. Remember what he said? He blamed Samuel for not coming on time. Had you been here, I wouldn't have done this. He rationalized his action by the severity of the circumstances. The Philistines were gathering for war. Said, this is the reason I did it. Here, I mean, this is the bottom line. You didn't come. The people were scattering from me. The situation was getting worse. I knew I had to get a prayer in. And so I did it. Now, does that justify obedience? Okay. We find uh, in other passages of scripture where Samuel says about the whole idea of disobedience is as the is the, uh, the sin of witchcraft. He permitted his visual assessment to compromise his spiritual responsibility. Let me read that again. Maybe, maybe the letters are too small for you to read. Let me read it again to you. He permitted his visual assessment, which was all wrong, no biblical foundation, none, no promises, to compromise his spiritual spiritual responsibility. Now, let's pause for station identification for one reason. Last week, we were talking about write it out. The responsibility of a king was to write out the law, every word, and he was to write it out for himself. He had to have a book for himself, okay? And he was to write it out and refer to that for the rest of his life. Saul was the first king, and, and he knew what he's supposed to be doing. Saul, you mean to tell me that you wrote it out, you know God's law, you know what you're supposed to do, and you did it anyway, and you're using the excuses that the people were running away from you, that circumstances were, you didn't come on time, Sam didn't come on time, and, um, and, and so... All of these things happening, so I had to do what I had to do. Wow. God help us. God forgive us for hindering God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. A lot of times our prayers are not answered because we assume and come up with a rationale that breaks God's heart. Okay, I think you got the idea. He admitted doing four things based on his assumptions. And notice the personal pronoun. I forced myself. I said, notice the pronouns. I forced myself. I said, I have, I have not sought the favor of the Lord. I offered a burnt offering 
Is the responsibility of Saul to offer a burnt offering? Who's supposed to offer a burnt offering? And so, and then he, he said, he's doing all that so he can get a word from God. Do you think that doing everything wrong, God's going to speak to you? The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He did all of these things and expect God to hear. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, to a man, but it ends in the way of death. Oh, it seemed right to Saul to do that. In Saul's state of disobedience, his decision might have seemed to be logical, rational, and, ob and obvious, but it was far from being wise, right, or in sync with the will of God. Here's a timeless principle that needs to be remembered. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see the promise there? It's what I said earlier, so let me just repeat it again. Admit that you don't know. Admit that you are, you're at your wit's end, you really don't know. Your hands are tied. Uh, when um, at the car accident, when um, uh, I mean, I was really dazed, and the um, uh, the paramedics were saying, "Do you want to go in the ambulance?" And I had to make a decision uh, right there on the spot. I really didn't know, but it was driven. I, I felt within my heart. The Lord says, "Get into the ambulance." That was the best decision that I could have made. Uh, I was too dizzy and uh, and too my chest hurting to get on the cell phone to do something. That was the best bet. Um, and so uh, I thought about on an airplane, put on your gas mask first, take care of yourself, get yourself together, and then think it through. Um, admit that you don't know. Where is it in your life right now? There's some things, some decisions that you really don't know. And the Lord says, <laughs> if you don't know, what are you supposed to do? Stay with the plan. Ask me. I know because I put it there. I permit it to happen. And I got a blessing on the other side if you obey me. If you don't obey me, you bless yourself. So if you don't know, ask. Or I used to tell my children, suffer in silence. Uh, yeah, well, that's another story. Mm -hmm. And then ask believing. Ask believing. Don't ask God and then doubt what he's going to say. He's going to say, if not Abraham all the way through, he believed God. He obeyed God. He believed God. And God blessed him. Not only him, generation. You're believing and trusting, obeying God. You're waiting on God. When you wait for it, not only do you benefit from it, how Abraham's generations will be. You are blessing generations based on your depth of character. You're laying the foundations. There were some of my children are gone. Does not matter 
when they look back to see that you are still establishing and walking with God. That's important. It doesn't matter how the size of our congregation, it's the quality of our congregation. That's why I keep coming up with these subjects. I'm looking for the spiritual foundation. And when you have the spiritual spiritual foundation, God can add people and you can be a blessing to others. I think, I hope that you get this as we move along. And uh, I'm moving pretty close to the end of my message. But I just want to make sure that you, you keep this in mind. James 6, 1, 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If any of any of you gone on uh, uh, on a cruise, or whatever the case may, you get out there in the water, and that and those waves are slapping you left and right, and the wind blowing. Uh, 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 yeah, it says the Lord always used the right words to describe the situation, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because you see what it says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And what folks have done there, what they do, they uh, they just take one part of it. Whatever we ask, we receive. Praise the Lord. And they just go shout, stop and sit down and read the rest of it. The rest of the verse says this, because we keep his commandments and pleases him because we position ourselves to obey God and we have decided to wait for it. God always shows up in your life and in mine. I don't know what's gonna happen today. I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but wait for it. God has the answer. And Samuel said to Saul, Notice this. This is a heartbreaker. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For then, because this now, here's the reason why. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Your disobedience cancels you out for future blessings from the Lord forever. Because what you thought and all this I stuff and, and the Lord and Samuel didn't show up and all that, you are disqualified. The first thing that the Lord did, he was disqualified two times. The first time he was disqualified, he lost his kingdom. The second time he was disqualified when he went to the, went to the witch of Endor, he lost his life. It's something about he didn't learn the lesson of waiting on God. I was looking up the uh, description of Saul in now. And you, you can see it that if you read ahead of times, uh, back a few verses, that he was tall and handsome. Oh, I mean, he was head and shoulder over all of Israel, not just a few, all of Israel. He was a good-looking man. So when they said the king, they said, that's our king. Good-looking, tall, handsome, uh, believer. That's how some young ladies get married. He's tall and handsome and he has a deep voice. Praise God, he must be a blessing. You better trust God. You better ask God about this because he might be another Saul who would lose it all. Saul was rebuked by Samuel the prophet who shared three negative results of his actions. 
Saul's actions were described as foolish. He did not keep or obey God's command. He had it, but he didn't do it. A lot of us know God's word, but remember what James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, okay? Uh, and all that he did not keep God's uh, commandments, he disqualified himself. He was fired from a future that would have positively, positively affected future generations. Saul lost it all. He lost generational blessings. He lost being uh, a king. He lost his, his, uh, his life. He lost it all. And the number of lives that he probably have taken with him, all because he didn't wait for it. I wonder, I wonder, some of the things we gain when we wait on the Lord. See, the gains we wait, when we gain things in waiting on the Lord, it, it becomes testimonies. You got a testimony here. I wait on that. I got a testimony here. You have saints who have testimonies, testimonies, testimonies. The others have complaints. And the complaints, this is not happening, and this is not happening, and this is not happening. And the first thing you want to do is get down to where they are spiritually. Guaranteed somewhere in the scenario that spiritual realm need to be straightened out. All of us need to wait for it. Amen. Well, let's go on to uh, probably my closing notes. We look at Samuel. It talks about, and I, I have it there, can't read part of it, but it talks about it being a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Saul was handsome, tall, and anointed king over Israel, but his greatest flaw was his disobedience to God. The closing notes on Saul's life were his committing suicide by deliberately falling on his sword and dying outside of the will of God. He never learned how to wait for it. He never learned how to wait for it. What a sad note, but it should be a sobering note for us. And one last thing, if you're curious about your status and well-being tomorrow, closely examine your willingness to wait on God. You'll be choosing today to become an, an, an intimate uh, imitation of Abraham or Saul. Which one are you? Remember that nothing happens by accident. You don't accidentally get a blessing from the Lord. You're blessed when you're obedient. Only your deliberate choice. That's the thing that counts. We've been very patient through this whole uh, scenario. I trust that you get the idea. Wait for it. Uh, it might happen today. It might happen tomorrow. Just remember, put this in your survival kit. God wants us to wait. That gives him a chance to act and make him look good. It gives you a chance to have a clear testimony. There'll be a blessing for others. Will you wait? Well, with that said, then let's ball in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your goodness to us. 
Thank you for your word. The whole idea is that we are to wait on you. There are times, Lord, when we find ourselves not waiting. Teach us, Lord, how to wait. It's a learning experience, but it's very profitable. To wait on you means to honor you, to say, saying no to the flesh, hindering Satan from doing any further damage. And that's why, Lord, I, like James said, having done all, stand. Help us to stand and to wait for it, that we can be more effective in all the things we do. And there might be a, sound, a person on the sound of my voice, Lord, who do not know you and don't know the principles of waiting for you. Not only that, that Lord, they might not know Christ as Savior. And I pray for them right now. I pray, Lord, that um, they will listen to the pull on their heartstrings to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God who came and died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood for the remission of sin, and that they admitted their sinners that they couldn't save themselves. They asked for forgiveness and be a part of the family. I pray that they'll make that decision today. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.